are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, I woke up this morning and, and, and honestly could not wait to get to this point today so I could share God's Word with you. I believe with everything in me that God is going to speak to us today in a powerful way. So, so in the English language, we make good use of acronyms, right? So if, if I said uh, TGIF, that is an acronym for, you know, first service was much more awake and alive on that than you are. I'm, I'm shocked. I really am. I thought you would scream it at me. Uh, DIY is an acronym for, and uh, like DOB is an acronym for, SOS is an acronym for, uh, I'm pretty sure help does not start with an S, but <laughs> did, did I hear somebody shout it out really loud? Save our soul. Exactly. That's what it stands for. Save our souls. Or it could be save our ship. It could be that as well. Um, let, let me give you one that, that the first service did really bad with, but I think you will do really good with, okay? So another acronym uh, FOMO or F-O-M-O is an acronym for? Exactly. You guys did much, much better with that one. So did you know that it's a, it's a legitimate, um, it's a legitimate, uh, what am I trying to say? I've lost my train of thought here for a second. It's a mental health syndrome. In other words, people are being treated for this all the time. Mental health specialists are treating people for this mental health syndrome, fear of missing out. And so what happens is a person says, I have this fear that, that others are going to have this very positive social experience and, and I'm not going to be there for it. And so it perpetuates this fear that I'm making poor decisions about how to spend my time. And it has been enhanced because of social media. Because people feel anxiety when they feel disconnected. And the reason they feel disconnected is because we are relying on social media for social experience because it is not the same as actually being present with someone we feel disconnected. And then we see what everybody else is doing on social media and we have this fear that we are missing out on so much in life. And so there's a legitimate mental health syndrome people are being treated for every day called FOMO, fear of missing out. Now just pack that away for one second. We're going to come back to it, okay? When I was in my early 30s, I was pastoring this church, and, and a guy named Jim Cimbala, who pastors a church in Brooklyn, New York, called the Brooklyn Tabernacle, he wrote a book. And the book is called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And there was one sentence in the book that captured me. And, and it captured a lot of people, frankly, all those years ago. And let, me, let me show you what he said, okay? He said, I despaired at the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God move mightily on our behalf. Now, now there are some of you in the room right now, and, and, and your heart has already been touched. Because you're saying... Pastor Rick, guess, guess what, buddy? I, I resonate with that. Uh, 
I don't, I don't want to leave this world. I don't want my life to slip by without seeing God move mightily on our behalf. So, you know, I, I wonder, I look over at this section of, of you know, youth students. And, and what if when one day you're old and, and you got your grandkids sitting on your lap and you say to them, when I was a teenager, I went to Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. And we saw God do something among us that I never dreamed of and I've never experienced again. But it changed the trajectory of my life forever. Or, or what if people in college uh, student ministry would say, you know what? When, when I was in college, I, I attended Bethany First Church and God did something in that church. He, he moved in a way to where people were coming to Jesus at such a incredible rate. And, and followers of Jesus, their lives, they were just experiencing such incredible spiritual growth. I saw God moving away and it changed me. And I never viewed God or the world or people the same ever again in my life. I mean, I feel like that many of us are saying, you know what? I thirst for that kind of thing. I mean, I'm like, I'm hungry for that kind of thing. I understand Simbla because it's how I feel. I despair at the thought that my life would slip by. And I would never see God move mightily on our behalf. I want to see God do something that only a few people have ever seen Him do. Now, when you, when you think about that, um, I, I, I remember going on a family vacation. It was our family and this other family. And honestly, um, I didn't know it was going to be life transforming. But, but this guy, the husband, the dad, he, he's not a pastor. But if, if I talk to you about his relationship with God or what kind of a person he is, I would just say he's one of these guys who is all in. You know what I mean? I mean, when, when we were together, all he wanted to talk about was becoming more like Jesus, helping people come to know Jesus. I mean, that, that's his wheelhouse, still is. And so he and I are out playing golf one day. We were nice enough to leave the kids back with the wives. And we're playing golf, and he says to me, um, Hey, Rick, when I, when I hear about a church, and this is almost 30 years ago, where a lot of people are coming to know Jesus, and, and, and Christians are just experiencing this major growth in their lives, he says, I want to be a part of that. I mean, I want to experience that. I just don't want to hear about it. I want to be a part of something like that. Why doesn't that happen in our church? And, and you know what he was saying was, I despair at the thought that my life would slip by and I would not see God move mightily on our behalf. So, so let me ask you this. When, when does FOMO become a healthy thing? When... When is it a good time for you and me to say, you know what? I have a little concern. I don't want to miss out. I, I want to see God do something new. I mean, I want to see God do something. I want to see God move like few people have ever seen God move. 
I want to be a part of a mighty move of God. That's what Advent is about. Advent is about the future. Advent is about waiting and hoping and believing and longing to see God do something new. And so I think about all of those people throughout the Bible who were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And they were saying, like Symbolist said, I despair at the thought that my life would slip by and I would not see God move in a mighty way. You know what I'm saying? It was like, I want to see God save Israel and I want to see God save the world. And I'm hoping I get to see it and be a part of it. Now, I don't know what you're going to hear today. You know, I I don't know where your mind is or how tempted you are to wander off. but, But regardless of what you do here, you have to hear this. Okay, you have to hear this. It is a possibility that God could do something new. And you and I, could miss out completely. True stuff. It's possible that God could do something amazing and you and I could completely miss it. You, you think about when Jesus came into this world and you think about how many people's lives were transformed to never be the same again. But also think about how many people completely missed it. Totally unaware. Life was never touched. They stayed the same. Never to be changed. So I want to address that this morning, okay? In the, in the book of Mark... He starts his gospel in chapter 1, verse 1 with these words, okay? And you're free to open a Bible with me if you like. He says, this is the beginning of the good news. So good news is that God is going to do something new. Uh, God is going to move in a mighty way, okay? And the good news is another way to say gospel, okay? So this is the beginning of the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And then what Mark does is he answers a question. And the question that he answers was a question that everybody was asking. And it's the question that people are still asking today. And the question that he answers is, who is Jesus? And, and here's what he says. Jesus, the Messiah. Do you want to know who Jesus is? I will tell you who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. He is the long-awaited one. He is the one through which God is going to do something new. He is the Son, the divine Son of the living God who created everything. And then he says, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Now, in a moment, we're going to hear the words of John the Baptist. But long before there was John the Baptist, there was this prophet named Isaiah. And God spoke through Isaiah, and he made promises to him, saying, One day, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do something mighty. And so, here's what Isaiah said. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. And God speaking through Isaiah said, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So the question you have to answer today, before you leave here, is simply this. How do I 
prepare the way for the Lord to come and move in a mighty way? That's the question. How, how do I do that? How do I prepare? How do I make the path straight for the Lord to come and do something in a powerful way? And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness. And he was preaching. He preached this repentance, a message of repentance, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And, and here's what happened. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to meet him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And, and here's a side note about John. And what he's really saying is saying he looked like a prophet. Uh, he wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locust and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. And we'll talk more about John's purpose and place next week. But then the last sentence is more really good news. I baptize you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So think about being baptized in water. Your whole body immersed in water. Now take that analogy somewhere else. Think about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Your whole self immersed in God's Holy Spirit. And being completely clean. Wow. So um, we, we, we have to do this right now. We have to talk about sin. For a little while, and the reason we have to talk about sin for a little while is because at the heart of John's message is a conversation about sin. So sometimes I hear people say this, and and I like it, and I think I know where they're going. They say, you know, there's only one sin. Do you you realize that? There's only one sin? Now, that that one sin will manifest itself in many ways. Say, for example, if... uh, if, if I lied to you this afternoon, that would be a sin, right? Or if, uh, if someone stole something from you, that would be a sin, right? Or if someone committed adultery, that would be sin, right? So, so, so that's how sin manifests itself. But really, there's only one sin. And, and here's what the one sin is. It's this. It's, it's this idea or this tension that lives within you. And you live with it, and I live with it every day of my life. And here's what the tension looks like, okay? The tension is this. It is, it is this tension between a desire to do what I want to do or do what God wants me to do. Only one sin. And we live with the tension of that sin. And the tension is, am I going to do what I want to do? Or am I going to do what God wants me to do? And every time that we say, you know what, this time, God, I'm going to shelf what you want and I'm going to do what I want, that is what sin is. Let me give you a good definition of sin, okay? I gave it to you last summer. Personal sin is a voluntary violation. Okay, so voluntarily, nobody's twisting my arm, I'm doing this on my own. A voluntary violation, I'm going to break... What is known to be the law of God by a morally responsible person. 
I know how God feels about this. I know what God's law is, but this time I'm going to ignore what God wants and I'm going to do what I want. So I read, I read this preacher this week who said, um, you know what we do? He said, we give people uh, just enough Jesus to be bored with Jesus. He says, that's what we're doing in churches today. We just give them a little bit of Jesus. We just give them enough Jesus that Jesus is kind of boring. And he says, what we don't give them is the ability to experience this holy surge of adrenaline that courses through a person's veins when they make a decision that they are going to follow Jesus no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. When a person comes to this place in their life that they say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I don't care what Jesus asks of me, and I don't care where Jesus asks me to go, and I don't care when Jesus asks me to do it, I'm going to follow Jesus every time. And my default response is going to be, it's not what I want, it's what Jesus wants. And I'm going to live my life fully surrendered to Jesus. Now that's the opposite of sin. And so here this guy, John, shows up. And I'm sure he would be like, wow, look at this guy. He, you know, he's dressed in, you know, clothes made of camel's hair. And he's got this leather belt around his waist. And he is eating, you know, locust and wild honey. Uh, like other prophets before him, he was a minimalist. And, and he's preaching this, this message. And, and there has been no prophecy for 400 years And the people of God are waiting to hear again the voice of God. And finally John shows up and he speaks. And everybody looks at each other and says, I think God is speaking through this man. And he calls them to this baptism of repentance. You guys should repent of your sin. So they were expecting the Messiah. And they believed that he was going to, you know, like free them from this Roman rule and oppression, what they were not expecting was a prophet to show up calling them to repentance. So we've talked about sin, which is a really big word. There's another really big word in this passage, and that big word is repentance. So can we talk about repentance for a few minutes? Uh, If you own a television or a computer uh, and you get online, you know that the news right now is just being inundated with conversations about famous men who have, who have acted sexually inappropriate in their workplaces. So it's from Al Franken, Al Franken to Matt Lauer to, you know, his, the list is long. Um, so Matt, Matt Lauer has co-hosted the Today Show for 20 years and they haven't disclosed how much money he makes, but they assume it's over $10 million a year. Could you squeeze by on $10 million a year? Could you make that work? And, uh, and so he was accused of this inappropriate sexual behavior with some co-workers, and, uh, and he was fired. And so the next day, he, he writes a response. 
So in the response, he says stuff like, uh, I, I don't have words to express the regret and the sorrow that I feel. I'll just say, you know, that he appeared to be more contrite than, than other people have been accused. And he said, um, I am truly sorry for those I have hurt. Um, he talked about uh, repairing the damage. It's going to take a lot of time and soul searching. And he also said, I have had to come to grips with my troubling flaws. So here's a man who has been very inappropriate sexually at work. And he's fired from his job, and that's how he responds. How, How do you feel about the response? You wish he would have said sin somewhere along the way? Um, were, were you wanting to hear him say, you know, for, for many years now I've lived a very, very dark life. My heart has been very dark, but I'm, I'm leaving that and, and I'll, never, I'll never be that way again. I'll never, I'll never be that person. I'll never live that life again. I'm, I'm turning my life around. I'm going the other direction. The, the, the reason I, I, I use that example is because... When, when John the Baptist comes, this wild of a man as he was, he, you know, preaches this baptism of repentance. So, so it's not just about confessing sin, okay? In, in other words, when you baptize somebody in his day, when you were a Jew, you only baptized people who were Gentiles. And you baptize people who are Gentiles because they were converting to Judaism. And, and the reason you baptized them was because it was symbolic. And it was symbolic for the fact that they are leaving their past, sinful, polluted life behind. And, and now you get baptized and now you're Jew. And, and all of that sinful Gentile life that you've lived is behind you. And what John does is he says, you, you Jewish people who are the people of God, of all people... You need the same thing the Gentiles need. You need to be baptized. You need to be cleansed of your sin. But not only do you need to confess your sin, and, and I just wonder if there are times in our lives when, when we live with unconfessed sin. And, and, and I get up in the morning, Pastor Rick, and I go to pray, but I didn't mention my sin to God because it's just too painful to talk about, and I don't. But, I mean, this might be a good day to say... God, do I have unconfessed sin in my life that I, I really need to address? I mean, there, there is sin in my life that I need to be forgiven for. But it's not just a matter of confessing sin. It's a matter of also repenting of sin. And the two are very different. Confessing sin is admitting, yes, I've sinned. No doubt about it. I have been a sinful person. But repenting is to say that I'm not going to continue in that sin. And repentance is really about turning around. I've been going this direction with my life, and I'm not going to keep going this direction. I'm going to turn around, 
And I'm going to go this direction with my life. So what I used to be doing was I was doing what I wanted to do. And that was winning almost every time. I was doing what I wanted to do. And now I'm going to stop doing what I want to do. And I'm going to turn around. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. My life is going a different direction. That's repentance. Now, since I'm the master of quotes this morning, let me give you one more. A.W. Tozer talks about repentance this way. The idea that God will pardon a rebel who has not given up his rebellion is contrary to Scripture. The idea that God will pardon a rebel who has not given up his rebellion is contrary to Scripture. It's not that I'm sorry and I'm going to keep on sinning. It's that I'm sorry and I'm going to stop. Now, How do you get to that point? Is what we're interested in. And John deals with that. And it's the last point here. I uh, I have to remind myself once in a while that that it's not that God is going to do something great around here. I have to remind myself that God is doing some great things around here. The other Sunday night, I was in the atrium, and and three or four people stood holding in their hands a sheet of paper and sometimes shaking, and and they read their story. And they're part of a ministry here called Celebrate Recovery. I mean, my wife Annette and I, we sat there and we cried like babies. I mean, I'm wiping tears because they're stories of people whose lives have been just transformed. I mean, just, it's amazing. I'm like, how could that person have ever been that person and now be the person they are? But Jesus has just forgiven them of sin and changed their heart and baptized them with the Holy Spirit. And they are clean. It's, it's amazing. I was over at Two Lakes the other day on a Sunday morning at our sister church. And, and I heard a story of a person whose life has just been I mean, dramatically transformed by the power of God. God is doing some mighty stuff. And and I sat right here with you a couple of weeks ago, and a young mom named Carrie stood here and talked about the day that she walked down the aisle. She's been a part of our church for a year, and she was on her knees right here at this altar. And she said, to say that God changed my life is an understatement. We will never, she said, be the same again. And and here's how John addresses this. He says, okay, I baptize you with water, right? But the one who comes after me, he doesn't baptize with water. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit to immerse you in the Holy Spirit of God to cleanse your heart, to change you. Because here's the deal. I can't cleanse my own heart. I can't forgive my own sin. I can't save myself. I can't change myself. I can't transform myself. I want to be this other guy, but I can't ever become the other guy. And John says, I can't make you the other guy either. That's reserved for Jesus. That's a gift that He gives. 
That's not my gift to give. That's His. But He can do that for you. He can change your heart. Wow. So when I think about the fact that I want to see God move in a way that few people have ever seen God move, and and I can't imagine my life slipping by without seeing God move mightily on our behalf. You know, I want to be prepared, right? And John says preparation is about repentance and confession. So, So what if right here in this season of Advent, as we are remembering those who longed and waited for and believed and hoped that God was going to come and do something new, what if we believed and hoped and waited for God to do something new? And what if we said, God, we want you to prepare our hearts And whatever happens, when you come and do something new, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to say, I had some junk in my heart that shouldn't have been there. And he came. And other people got it. But I didn't get it. I just want you to stand with me, okay? I love it when God speaks to me. And sometimes I pray, Lord, don't ever stop speaking to me. You know? I love it when God just speaks right into my heart. Man, I I sometimes tear up. I sometimes have trouble hearing what He has to say because it hurts a bit. It's true and I needed it. I don't ever want God to quit talking to me. And so sometimes it's mornings like these that God talks to me. And so when God speaks, you know, you got to respond. Hey, God's talking to you. You know, you got you to respond to God. And so this morning, if God is speaking to you, I want you to not walk out the door without responding to God. And so in a moment, I'm going to just invite people to come and pray for various reasons, but you can come with them if God is speaking to you this morning. And if there is something you need to confess, and if you need to repent, this is the day to do it. had a funeral this week for a guy named Stan Toller who who was a mentor to me and many other people, but he said, Rick, when you give invitations, make them very broad. You don't know what people have walked in the door with, what they're carrying. And so I want to say to you that you can come and pray about anything this morning. And there'll be a pastor on my right and on my left, and you can go to them if you want a pastor to pray with you. And if you're sick and you need physical healing, they will anoint you with oil and pray for you. That's what the Scripture commands us to do. Or maybe there's somebody that you love a great deal and you want to pray for them. They're sick. Or maybe they're just really far from God and you want to pray for them. Or maybe you resonate with Symbola and you say, Rick, I despair at the thought that my life would slip by and I would not see God move mightily on our behalf. And I think if a hundred or so of us would come down this morning and get on our face before God and just say, God... I want to see you move like few people have ever seen you move. And and I want you to do it through the ministry of this church right here. And I want you to do it in my life. 
I don't want to miss out. I think God would hear us pray today. And so for whatever reason you want to come, come and let's pray before we go. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.